1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. We are back on our sister station ESPN. We've been here quite a bit this last month. Um, after today, we will be back on the fan, I think, for at least the next month. You know, for those of you new to the show, we're normally on 9 to 11 on 104.3 The Fan. And then when we have a conflict with programming, we jump over here to ESPN for a, a 10 to noon show, which makes it nice that we get to keep the show going, even when there's contractual sporting things. Today, the Broncos are playing at 11, but you're in the right place to listen about the outdoors. We're going to cover a lot of fishing today. The weather is starting to show some hints that it could be uh, it could be changing. So we're going to kind of watch for that. A lot of fishing going on. Hunting is going to be in full swing here very soon. So we have a lot to cover. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Tightline Outdoors is Dustin Sigler. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing well. It's going to be a nice day today, about 80 degrees, which is actually a little bit below normal for uh, – for Colorado, this the front range this time of the year. I was um, I was talking to somebody the other day, Dustin, and I told him, you know, in my older days, I used to keep logs of everywhere I fished and what the conditions were in the water levels, water temperatures, the way the fish were reacting. This year, having one of the warmest and windiest years that we've ever had in the front range of Colorado, I just tore that book up and threw it away. <laughs> I don't blame you with that one. <laughs> yeah, it's but, like, that's, you know, that's just the way it goes with Colorado, ain't it? <laughs> oh, it is. You know, people that come here, they watch. I was within Fisherman for a long time, and the the things we would talk about were based on the Midwest. You know, and last year the water was down a foot out there, and they were all having heart attacks. This year it's up a foot, <laughs> and they're still having heart attacks. I mean, a foot here is a couple days of of, of elevation change and we certainly have had that you know in, in all honesty it hasn't there's been spots of great fishing you guys at Tightline have been sitting on a couple of them and we'll talk about that in a minute and there's been spurts of good fishing but it has been a lot of times a little tougher year we've had water level issues we've had warm water issues we had late spring issues we've had weather issues we've had water level problem so it hasn't been the easiest year for a lot of weekend anglers especially absolutely yeah you really have to cater to uh, the conditions right you always have to be uh changing up what you're doing and where you're fishing because the fish move based on all of those different factors but you're exactly right they, Some people uh made made good bites out of it and others uh, may have struggled yeah you're exactly right a couple places that have been really good and that's uh the metro area for walleyes for you guys, especially Chatfield and Spinney. Why don't you kind of update us on what's going on in some of your waters? Absolutely, yeah. So metro waters, you know, we predominantly spend most of our time Cherry Creek and Chatfield. You know, metro waters um, basically sticking to our walleye bites uh, at those bodies of water, and they've been fishing excellent. Um, Cherry Creek, I had a phenomenal season out there. It's still fishing excellent right now. Of course, as most people know, the bait fish out there are just in high abundance. So a uh, high forage option out at Cherry Creek, which makes fishing change. It doesn't make it worse. It just changes it. You have to be uh, accommodating that change. Um, Chatfield, though, it's been one for the books. You know, uh, we have not had a, a very successful uh, gizzard shad spawn or hatch. And so out there we have less 
forage option, or you have different forage options. You don't have a, a solid predominant forage option like Cherry Creek. So it kind of spreads your fish out, but it also causes them um, to almost starve. They're looking for uh, absolutely anything to eat, which is just made for an unbelievable fishing season out at Chatfield Reservoir. And so uh, we've been spending a ton of time out there. Of course, clients want different things, whether it's keepers or numbers. And, and we've been able to do both of that out at Chatfield Reservoir, uh, just with what's going on, uh, both on water levels and, and forage options. So an excellent bite there. And just recently, we're starting to see uh, you know, the water temperatures kind of plateau and or drop just slightly. So a lot of your fish are already getting that first sign of, of fall coming. And uh, we're starting to see them bigger groups of fish, you know, your bigger keeper groups, wolf packs, if you will, starting to get together and, um, and, and start to feed heavier. So um, when you're finding them, you're going to sit on top of them and you're going to be able to pick out, you know, five, ten fish out of, a, out of a wolf pack, if you will, um, very easily. Um, majority of our fish right now, though, are extremely shallow. Um, all of my fishing, whether it's been Cherry Creek or Chatfield, has been extremely shallow water, less than 10 foot of water, sometimes even less than 8 foot of water. Um, so we're, we're finding our fish there, you know, and it's just been incredible. But uh, realistically, Terry, moving into fall and, you know, we're coming into September, that's really what I'm looking forward to because we think the bite is good now. You just wait. It is going to be absolutely extraordinarily amazing uh, come September. Well, you know, and people, I, I had a couple comments a couple weeks ago that we talk about Chatfield a lot this year. And the reason we have, because it's it's a once in a maybe five, ten year period when you get this kind of an explosion of, of an early bite. Now that you talked about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people that can use a lot of different techniques at Chatfield right now because the fish are actively feeding. They're hunting prey. Cherry Creek, not so much. So how do you approach presentation-wise between those two lakes before we move on to some other waters? Absolutely, yeah. So your biggest thing, like if you're the angler that goes out and you like bottom bouncing or using night crawlers on a jig head, whatever it might be, something that you're comfortable with, um, I would say now is the time to maybe set that down, go to Chatfield, and really hone in and, and improve your skills on these presentations I'm going to talk about. The majority of them are reaction presentations. It's a big-time fall pattern that we have uh, had year after year where you can use uh, a blade bait, whether that's a, a thin fisher or an XPS blade from Bass Pro, uh, jigging wraps, uh, which is just kind of that glide bait segment. Um, you know, plastics are still working if you're snapping them aggressive. But essentially, these, um, you know, fast-falling, fast-moving baits are all what are triggering bites. And it goes for Chatfield and Cherry Creek. Both of them need that reaction bite. Now, Chatfield, you can still use live bait because of the low forage options to where Cherry Creek, live bait will catch you some fish. But in turn, you're going to have way more success with those reaction presentations at Cherry Creek uh, than Chatfield. But if I were to want to make my skills better as an angler and be able to capitalize on a fall bite at any of these bodies of water, but majority Chatfield, uh, at that point, I'm going to use these blades and jigging wraps and, and uh, paddle tails or straight tail minnows, um, spoons even, you know, jigging spoons. All of those can be extremely productive this time of year. And Chatfield's going to be the body of water I'm going to learn that at because they're going to give me more bites, even if I'm not quite perfect with my cadence on the way I'm working that bait. And so um, absolutely use those techniques 
at both bodies of water. But if you are new to those techniques, go to Chatfield. You're going to get bit. You're going to see the effectiveness of those presentations. Now let's let's switch gears because there's a couple other things I want to cover. And one is you guys also are having a pretty good pike bite up at Spinney. Tell me about Spinney, both pike and trout. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, middle of July is typically when we see our pike really start to get fired up, their metabolism gets going. And so really since July, we've been having excellent fishing for pike. Um, our trout were more scattered throughout the lake as the water level rose um, in Spinning Mountain Reservoir in particular. Um, but just recently, we're starting to see those nighttime lows drop just a little bit up there, enough to where uh, these fish are starting to get a little more conjugated. So your uh, your rainbows and cup bows and, and whatnot that are in spinny are starting to more so gather into certain areas of the lake, mainly because of the damsel hatch that's happening. And so now we're being able to, to fish a um, you know, very aggressive approach for them and have very good success with that. Uh, the thing about spinny that's so cool is once we see that start to transition, it only gets better from there. Uh, same with your pike. You're going to see them enter that fall pattern along with those cut bows and rainbows where the fishing is just going to get extremely good through the month of September. And realistically, your peak for that bite is going to be beginning of October. So we're throwing topwater lures, we're throwing jerk baits, we're throwing uh, tube jigs and, and spoons, working them very quick um, for our trout and uh, more subtle with uh, kind of more reaction style fishing for our pike. But uh, yeah, I, I expect... Uh, both pike and trout to be absolutely uh, off the hook when it comes to uh, Spinning Mountain Reservoir here here come uh, October. Beginning of October is that peak, but realistically starting in September. Before we move on to something else, one thing we didn't really cover of all three of those lakes, Cherry Creek, Chatfield, and Spinney, is current water level conditions. How are they holding up? Yeah, so I'd say Chatfield's, uh, you know, just a foot or so below uh, normal full pool. Um, Cherry Creek, though, you know, I will mention this. It's, it's all rumor right now. There's no uh, definitive answer on it yet. But Cherry Creek Reservoir, they've talked about potentially closing a little bit early this year, uh, as early as September 1st is what I've heard, just because of low water. They're experiencing uh, four to five vertical feet uh, left in that lake and, or in that reservoir. And so at that point, uh, you know, they may shut it down because of boat access and, and just low water. So other than that, though, Spinny, we see they're they're losing water, but um, I don't see them uh, being uh, unaccessible through the month of September. Uh, as we get into October, you start putting question marks up as to when they may close because uh, it did uh, October 7th last year was Spinny's last day of boating. So you kind of keep an eye on it around October, late September. But realistically, our lake levels are good right now for most bodies of water uh, with Cherry Creek kind of the biggest question mark right now. All right, we've only got a couple minutes left, but one of the things I want to touch on real quick is you mentioned it earlier. The bite is really good on Chatfield. It's acceptable on Cherry Creek for most people right now. Spinney's doing well. That's not necessarily the case around the state. The northeast and southeast reservoirs lost a lot of water. A lot of boat ramps aren't even open. We're going to cover those later in the show. But even lakes like McConaughey and Boyd and Pueblo, as we get into the fall, if there's if there's boat access, we should get into a spoon slash a reaction bait type presentation that the fishing should pick up in all of these bodies of water, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I I love and I hate fall. You know, I don't like colder temperatures, I'll be honest with you, but 
the fishing really makes up for that, you know. And so right when we start to see that those first cool nights really start to cool off that surface temperature, um, regardless of the body of water you're at, whether it's McConaughey, you know, McConaughey is very low right now in the mid 40 percent range uh, of uh, of the water being uh, in the lake. And either way, you're going to have this reaction bite and you've got to um, get good at it because to experience fall fishing at any of these bodies of water is to understand that reaction bite. That's the beauty of walleye fishing. In my, in my mind, I absolutely love that a walleye, you can work a bait extremely fast and they will attack it, um, which is just fun fishing. So, yeah, your jigging spoons, your uh, jigging wraps, uh, you know, blade baits, you can vertically jig them right under the boat you know, just off bottom or just suspended, or you're going to be able to cast them and work them back to the boat and just do it with aggression, you know, make sure you're close to bottom and or making bottom contact each time you're working those baits. But uh, I expect just an excellent uh, fishing opportunity at all these bodies of water because there's less uh, water to cover because of the low water. So you're going to be able to find these fish a little easier and uh, and the bite's going to be the same as it always is because they're, they're walleye, they're in their natural habitat. All right, we are out of time, but if people want more information from you guys, it's tightlineoutdoors.com, tightlineoutdoors on social media. Dustin, thank you so much for joining us. Great information. Absolutely. Terry, you have a wonderful day. You too. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to uh, take you to Bar Lake and see what's going on there on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on ESPN. We are brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. As you heard me saying just a minute ago, locations up and down the front range. If you are an outdoor enthusiast, you need to be into a Jack store. They have everything you need. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Bar Lake, one of our favorite contributors from Parks and Wildlife, Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing pretty well. It's a beautiful day. It's going to be somewhere around 80 today, a little even cooler than seasonal, and it's just a great day to be outdoors. You know, Michelle, why don't we tell people where Bar Lake is located? I don't know if we've done that for a while, and there's always people new to the show. Sure. So Bar Lake is located in Brighton, Colorado, and we're 25 minutes east of Denver. So we're a quick day trip. And, you know, you have nothing to do there, but go anyway, right? Yeah, we have lots to do. So to tell you a little bit about Bar Lake, um, the whole southern end is a wildlife refuge. We're known for our birding and our nesting bald eagles. We have a trail that goes all the way around the lake. It's 8.8 miles. You can bike, you can hike, you can walk, you can horseback ride. Um, We have a wonderful nature center with lots of exhibits that you can see. Um, we do, you can fish on the northern part of the lake, and right now our water levels are low, um, so we had to close our boat ramp to trailer boats, but you can still hand launch um, boats, and then um, we also have an archery range that's been very busy for people getting ready for archery season. We have um, a standing range from 10 to 100 yards, and then we have 10 stations for our 3D range. Now, I want to get back to some of those and expound them a little bit. But the first one, water levels are low, so you close the boat ramp. That's happening a lot in Colorado this year. You know, we we uh, we just have so seen a hot summer, and the farmers have pulled a lot of water. And irrigation and water use by individuals are, could, of course, come ahead of recreation. 
What about the level maintaining, though, being well enough? You know, a few years ago you were worried about the fishery. Everything seems stable there. Yeah, everything is. We're not we're not at conservation level, which we've been a couple of years ago. Um, so the water levels are still good. The, um, so there's just a lot of shoreline for fishing. So shoreline fishing has been pretty good. And and how and also kayaks would be great right now. But what are they catching from shore right now? Um, some trout, some perch, and some walleye. Yeah, and there's wipers. There's some good sized wipers. Our friend Jr. I hate to even mention his name because he brags so much. He catches some huge wipers out there. He does. And right before the boat ramp, he was the last boat on, and he got some pretty big walleye too. So. Yeah, let's not pump him up too much. I have to talk to him later in the show as it is, so it'll be difficult. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I want to talk about kayak fishing has just exploded. And Bar Lake, even when the boat ramp is open, is limited to 10 horsepower motors, so it's a great place to come out. But you, we talked about JR getting big walleyes and big wipers. What a chance to get out in a kayak without any boat traffic and, and really maybe get into some of these fish that maybe aren't quite as accessible from shore, uh, I would think there would be some tremendous opportunities. And you have other, you have courses set up for kayaks even, don't you? Yeah, we have a water trail, um, and it's uh, educational, so you can go to the different stations and use our um, app called Agents of Discovery. So that's kind of something unique you can do on the lake. But, yeah, it's a great time of year to come and enjoy um, being out on a canoe or a kayak. No, it really is. It's just a, and I want to talk a little more about your archery ranges too. I see people, you know, obviously you need the standing ranges where you can set your distances and shoot and dial in your equipment. One of the things I see people though, they'll shoot from 20 yards and 30 yards and maybe 40 yards, but they won't shoot from 36 yards or 37 yards. They need to practice a little bit of that. But the real value of what you have out there is your 3D range. Because now you can take shots from awkward positions, and when you aim at that 3D target, you kind of get to see how that arrow would have entered the animal you were trying to harvest, where on a target, it just sees that you hit a point. I think it's such a huge benefit to hunters, and I think you're even upgrading your targets on the 3D range. Yeah, we we placed an order with Reinhardt in April. Things take a little bit longer to get, so we should get them here in the next couple of weeks, but... Yeah, the 3D range is, is great for that. You know, there's different distances. There you go down in the ravine, so um, it's a little bit different landscape. So it's just a great opportunity to, to walk and shoot. And you also do a ton of events there. You know, you've got um, – what do you have coming up? I bet you've got some birding events or things coming up. Yeah, so a couple of our events in September that are, are really fun. Um, September 10th is our fall birding festival. It's our 23rd annual and it's from 7 a.m. to 12, and there'll be live raptors, lots of educational booths, the, um, our banding station where the Bird Conservancy of the Rockies will be with biologists who um, catch birds, they weigh them, they measure them, and then they band them, so it's a really unique opportunity. So that's September 10th, and then on September 24th, we have our second annual Lantern Festival that is to support the Richard Lambert Foundation in Brighton. But you get to um, decorate a lantern that floats on the water. Um, and it's just a really fun um, event. And all of this will be on our website and our Facebook. Right. And, and that's true of all. 
you know, a lot of the parks, you, it's almost easier now to go to the Facebook page than the website, although both are kept up pretty well, but it's so much easier to get things current on Facebook. Uh, I encourage people to use the Facebook page for all of our state parks. One other thing I want to mention before I let you go, uh, dove season is going to start here pretty soon. And you're you're one of the few parks that actually does have hunting close to the metro area, right on or right near park property, right? Right. So it's on back behind the dam on our northern part of our park. And so we have seven dove stations. And dove opens on September 1st. So we will be hunting that day. And then the rest of September, it's on Sunday and Monday. So we were checking um, yesterday and, you know, opening day is already all full. Um, but, you know, you can try to make a reservation for any Sunday and Monday um, in September for dove hunting. Do they see quite a few doves there? They do, yeah. You know, we've worked with uh, South Metro Pheasants Forever, and we planted a millet plot, and we've done some other um, plantings in that area to try to increase the dove and pheasant population. So, you know, like most places, the first couple weeks are pretty good, and then it slows down after that. But um, it gives people a great opportunity. Um, You don't have to go far. You know, there are rangers around if you need assistance. Um, We even have one gentleman that comes every year and it's um it's about a mile over a mile walk and we actually take him to his spot and go pick him up. I think dove hunting is such an incredible way to get kids into the shooting sports and hunting. Um it, they can do it with lighter gauge shotguns so the recoil isn't as much a factor. You typically can do it from a stationary position but you don't necessarily have to be like curled up in a duck blind. I think it's just a tremendous way to get kids into those sports. Michelle, we're going to let you go, but thank you for sharing Bar Lake with us. Well, have a great day. All right. Thank you. That's Michelle Siebert. We're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to take you to another park that is really up the ante on uh, accessibility, uh, like track chairs and floating wheelchairs, lots of things for people who might be a little challenged in the outdoors to get outside and really take advantage. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, today broadcasting on ESPN. Normally you'll find us at 9 to 11 on the fan. We come over here when there's uh, some sporting conflicts. And so we're on ESPN today. I think we'll be on the fan the rest of the next month at least, though. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Ridgeway Reservoir is Aaron Vogel. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. Is it as beautiful in Ridgeway right now? Well, it's always beautiful in Ridgeway, but is the weather as beautiful as it is here? I hope so, but uh, today it's actually a little bit rainy and a little bit overcast. Uh, that'll clear up. But you do, you are located in a beautiful area. In fact, why don't you tell people where Ridgeway Reservoir is located? Yeah, we're located about an hour and a half south of Grand Junction. Um, we're in the Uray area, um, an hour from Telluride as well. And Ridgeway has some incredible fishing. I know we're going to talk about something else today, your access, but we should talk a little bit about that. you got grit huge brown trout have come out of there you have kokanee um there's rainbow trout fishing and smallmouth bass you have a tournament i believe that is still going on for smallmouth bass is that right yes we do have a smallmouth bass tournament and it ends september 3rd 
that we have a, a station that talks about all of our instructions and um, a freezer to put the fish um, near our boat inspection station at our boat ramp. And this is a chance to win some really big bucks, folks. Go to the website or the Facebook page and check it out. We've talked about it several times on the air, but you don't need a tournament to bring you over to Ridgeway. You just, you're located in just a beautiful mountain setting, aren't you? Absolutely, yes. We have great sweeping views of um, the San Juan Mountains. Mount Sneffels is definitely a star down there. And then uh, to the east, we have the Cimarron Range. And you have trails. Uh, how many How many miles of trails or what kind of trails do you have at Ridgeway? Yeah, we have 21 miles of trails. Um, some of them are accessible by mountain bike. Um, others are great for hiking. Um, I think our I think my favorite one is in Shannon Mesa. It's about two and a half miles one way. Uh, is, are they varied enough in difficulty so people of different uh, abilities can use the trails? Absolutely, yes. We have some that are paved, um, and then we have some that are dirt tracks, and um, some that are very um, uh, no elevation gain, and then a few others that have a little bit of elevation gain to get better views. Now, you also have camping there, if I'm right. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, Tell me about, about the camping site. Yeah, yeah, we have yeah. a little under 300 sites, and um, some of them are full hookup sites, um, 30 amp, and then we have uh, some walk-in tent sites, um, some yurts. We have three yurts, and we keep our yurts, and uh, we're going to keep two loops open this year uh, for camping, uh, for electric camping. Now, there's the beauty of where Ridgeway is located and the activities in the outdoors in general, whether it's fishing, hunting, hiking, camping, there's something really therapeutic about the outdoors for everybody. I mean, if you're having stress in your life, the outdoors can make it feel better. It's a great place to bond. If you've gone through any kind of trauma in your life, the outdoors can be a great place. There's many groups dedicated to using the outdoors to recover. We have for our, our soldiers and first responders, we have for uh, women, recovering from breast cancer. We have a number of groups, but then there's people who are uh, challenged in general that maybe have a bit of a, a difficulty enjoying the outdoors because of a physical challenge. And Ridgeway Reservoir has really stepped up to make that therapeutic advantage of being outdoors available to these people, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. Um, we've been able to apply for some grants and um, we're awarded a few grants to get um, two track chairs at our park. And uh, one was donated by Staunton State Park, which has already a, a really successful track chair program. And then through grants, we were able to get one for mainly for hunting and fishing um, to help mobility impaired hunters um, access our park. And then um, fishermen get down to our lake and our river, um, but also to get people out on the trails to explore more of them. And of the trails that I've talked about, we have four that are rated for our track chairs right now. And, you know, for people who don't know, I've uh, with Staunton, I did some articles for the Denver Post when I was a columnist there and wrote about the tractors they have. And a couple other parks have got them now, too. And they're just incredible because we recommended them to a young girl that lives close to us who was recovering from leukemia. And she was wheelchair bound at the time. She's doing better now. But um, it's just it. They're just so unique in the way they're like little tank tracks on a wheelchair, aren't they? Yeah, yes, they're very stable. Um, they have five different 
um, speed level, so you can go pretty slow, and then it gets you up to a pretty fast walking pace. And when no one goes alone, right? When they it, right now, you're still putting your program together. You told me we'll tell people how they can contact you a little later on in the segment. But right now, um, th- does a volunteer or somebody from the park go, or do they need to bring somebody or both? How does that work? Yeah, um, we'll have either a volunteer or a staff member meet the family or individual. Um, and the truck chair can be operated by the individual in the chair, or it can be operated by a family member or someone else in the group, um, or by the volunteer staff member. So there's a few different options, but yes, you will not be going alone. And then there's a couple other things you've added to. Tell me about, you've got some mats and you've got a floating wheelchair and you've got, tell me about some of the other things you have. Yeah, we have some really, really cool gear. Um, We have the floating wheelchair, and uh, we had a family take it out, I think, two weeks ago now. And so really it's to help um, the individuals dropped in the chair, and then they're kind of like halfway submerged in the water. And so someone can wheel them around through the water so they can float and still enjoy um, swimming in the water. And then we also have a mat that's like 300 feet long. It's called the Moby Mat. And it can be put down on sand, and it just paves the way for um, a wheelchair to be taken all the way to the water's edge um, to then get into the floating wheelchair if that's uh, the the choice there. But it, it just really increases the accessibility down to the water's edge. And that's for a regular wheelchair that can go on that mat. Correct, correct, yes. yes. And then yes. we also... Just got a, another paddleboard from Crawford State Park that you can put a regular wheelchair on the paddleboard and you can float around um, that way too. You guys have really taken um, this accessibility thing to a to a great level. Um, it's I'm I, I just it touches me because I know what the outdoors is meant to me, and I know what it can mean to some people who can struggle. Um, I did a television show well many many years ago with a fellow who had lost an arm and he had given up fishing and hunting. And one day he was with some friends at a job site in the outdoors and he found a piece of PVC pipe and he thought, you know, I bet a rod handle would fit in there. And he found a way to strap it to his prosthesis on his, on his uh, one arm. And so he would take his good arm, cast out a spinning rod, stick the handle in that prosthesis and then he would use his good hand to reel. And I saw him catch big bass and we went, we did a television show Anytime we can get people into the outdoors, it just brightens their outlook and just makes their life so much better. So kudos to you guys for these these programs. Now, before I let you go, you're still organizing. How do people find out about using them, and where are you looking to take this in the future? Yeah, I think for right now, um, we are just taking calls through our visitor center um, or through our marina, and um, we're just emailing the park at our general email um, at the park and then this winter we're going to be setting up a reservation system similar to Staunton State Park where you can fill out a form online and um, get hooked up with uh, dates that we will have available. All right it sounds wonderful thank you guys for doing this I think it's so great of parks to have these programs. Erin thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on today. You bet. That's uh, Aaron Vogel from Ridgeway State Park. These programs with the track chairs and things are just phenomenal. We're going to take a time out. When we get back, 
Dan Shannon's going to join us again from the Granby area. We had Dan on last week, had a bad connection. He's got some great information. So we want to make sure we get that information out. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on ESPN. You're just a teardrop in my eyes each night. I cry myself to sleep. You're just a memory. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on ESPN. That bumper music coming in was uh, actually a song from Wickstrom and Dobrith, our EP that's streaming everywhere. Uh, Search Wickstrom and Dobrith. Give us a listen. Give us some feedback. We'd appreciate that. Let's go to the phones now. And joining us from the Granby area is Dan Shannon. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Terry. Glad you on last week, but we had a little bit of an issue, and I think you just had... You're just too darn important not to get it out there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good. We did have a little bit of an issue. But there's some good, you know, we're at a, I've been talking during the course of the show, and we'll talk as we continue to go on later in the show, too, that some parts, there's been a few lakes that have been really bright spots this year and have fished extremely well. There's been a few that have fished expectations, and there's been some areas, especially in the eastern part of Colorado, where water levels and heat have really, uh, put a damper on some of the fishing from talking to you. I'm getting the impression that the Granby area, probably the fishing's been about two expectations. Is that right? Yeah, definitely been to expectations. And we definitely have not had the, the same water level issues up in the area that the other, that the Eastern lakes have had. Our lakes are looking, looking good. Granby's at 93% full. And I know Williams Fork is still much better than it was last year. That's good to hear. And, of course, that affects the fishing, too. It moves them. It changes them, you know. One of the things I tell people all the time, having come from the Midwest, Midwest anglers come out here to fish in Colorado, and they think about weed lines and break lines, and those all come into play. But the one you fished last week might be 20 feet deeper or shallower the next time you go. Well, that's right. You definitely got to play the water level and the structure as it it presents each day because it can definitely change. So what's going on at Granby? You know, my typical mental picture of fishing Granby is I I used to fish it in the spring. Then I'd fish it in the fall when that fantastic spawn bite would come on. And then I'd ice fish it. But I didn't fish it a lot in the summer because it seemed like a lot of work. And I wasn't sure I could catch those fish. But Bernie, when he started doing it, and you guys have really disproved that, you have to work a little more, but there's good fishing, isn't there? Absolutely. You know, you just start looking at those those next levels of of drop-offs, and you just keep working down the lake as the summer progresses. And the fish are still there. They're still eating. You just got to look for the, for the structure that holds them and the water temperature that they like. And so are you catching both numbers and sizes of, uh, of lake trout in Granby right now? Right. Primarily it's a numbers bite, but we're still getting into some, some of the bigger fish as well. Um, we're having to work a little bit more for them. It's a little, definitely a little tougher bite than it was in June and July. But you know they're still out there. You just gotta, you gotta, gotta come out with the mindset that you're gonna go out and you're gonna work those, those for those four or five bites that you're gonna get. But you're still, still finding some good fish out there, and they're ready to eat. And on the numbers, you getting when you get into them, can you do pretty good numbers yet? Yeah, and we're still. What's happening right now is it seems to be that we're finding pods of fish that are active and pods of fish that are, that are not active. You're finding some that you'll mark them on the graph, and you can throw the lunchbox at them, and they're not biting. But you move 
say, 100 yards and you find another pot of fish, and those are the ones that want to eat for the day. So we're having to work around through several pods usually to find the ones that want to that want to eat. But once we find them, the bite's there, and we're, we're putting in good numbers in the boat as well. What what types of presentations are you using for those? The small lake trout are first. The small lake trout first, we're really dial Right now, it's time to dial things down, get a little bit slower. Um, you think that, you know, cold water species, the water temps are at their peak or kind of Work, works opposite is the, than the warm water species. So we kind of downsize in the late summer, start and and really really work that that bottom uh, two three feet. Like that is the most important part right now for lake trout. Um, and just downsize your presentation. Instead of using a three and a half inch tube, we're going to start using two inch tubes. We're going to start using the the smaller what's it grubs that uh, the small plastics on a jig head. Just getting just dial that presentation down so that way there's there's a uh, they don't need to be in that overly aggressive mode to get a bite. And on the big fish, are you still using pretty large presentations? Yes, absolutely. With the big fish, it seems to be everything's real subtle. We're not we're not getting real aggressive with our presentations. Everything's real subtle. It's 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 dark, real natural colors, and just I mean, it, we're having to put the lure in front of a bunch of fish. We're marking them, but once I, I like I said, you, once you work through a few of them that don't want to bite, you'll find one that comes in super interested and. And usually you can get get one or two real good chances in a morning, and, and and depending on the morning, like today, I bet was great. It's overcast up here. I bet that bite stayed a little bit longer today. So definitely look for so, the weather patterns as well. So a good day for the lake trout. You might go out hunt big fish in the morning, and and when you're talking about big fish, what what do you size are you talking about? Uh, fish thirty inches and larger. Um, they're starting getting that thirty two as your master angler lake trout. So we're we're out there looking for five to ten good bites in a day good chances and you know some days it's more some days it's less but you gotta gotta get out there and and you really limit the numbers of fish when you're chasing trophies but man when you hook into one it sure is worth it oh it's it's a it's a blast i have a picture on my wall of karen and i each holding a 20 pounder that had to be netted at the same time in gramby two 20 pounders that both in the net at the same time it is, but you know what? But if you're looking for action or some fish to take home, those 14 to 20 inch, 16, 18s, you can still get some pretty good numbers of those, right? Absolutely, and those are great table fare. The the fish, uh, particularly in Granby and Grand Lake, they're mysis fed fish, so they turn into real excellent fish tacos. And the fish that size are definitely the ones you'd want to target for the table. And you can still get some pretty good numbers once you get into them. Yeah, absolutely. The fish, I mean, we're our, our uh, thirty fish in a, in a day is not out of the norm right now. When you when you when you get on a couple of good groups of fish. Now, what about the? I want to move on to some of the other lakes, but what about the uh, the Browns and the Rainbows? Are you much action on them on Granby, or are you fishing them more on other lakes? So right now, that's kind of. It, I'm hearing reports from people, from a lot of people trolling the shorelines that those fish are, it's kind of a pretty slow bite, but they're they're still being caught. You have to get out super early in the morning, and they're really working the shorelines in that 12 to 20 feet range. And you just got to get out and, and really be willing to, to put your time in and concentrate in those those areas. And they're still catching fish, but it's definitely things have slowed down with the, with the higher temps. What about Williams Fork? When you and I talked earlier, you said Williams Fork is actually fishing pretty well right now. Williams Fork is, is the reports from, from our guide team out there is that this is probably one of the best best years they've had in in, in the last many. Um, the lake trout bite has been has been top notch for both numbers and large fish. 
Um, the, the rainbows and kokanees, uh, the population of those is way down because the, they haven't been stocking them. Um, so trying to trying to get rid of the gill ice, like they like kind of the same program that they worked in Green Mountain Reservoir. Um, but the lake trout have, have really really turned on, and the bite out there has been excellent for both numbers and getting into the trophy fish as well. Well, I would think that, you know, they're trying to – one of the way they reduce the gill lice, like you mentioned, is reducing the concentrations of fish. And uh, they tend to spread in kokanee and rainbows when they're schooled together. And if they can reduce those numbers, it seems to reduce the number of gill lice. It seems to have worked really well in Green Mountain. But without those rainbows and kokanee, those lake trout and the pike, too, I'm sure, are, are a lot more active in hunting. Do you use some pretty aggressive presentations over there? Yes, definitely. So their 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 food base has changed because they don't have the rainbows and kokanee. So they're they're really starting to pick. There's a good population of uh, crayfish in there, and as well as you know, there's a, a big number of those smaller lake trout in there too. So you kind of think on those terms, and those bigger fish seem to be in there right along with the other with the, with the numbers fish eating up those different those those food sources that are that are available now. So that's that's fantastic. Now, last question, I'm going to let you go, but as we're going to get towards fall here, um, everything should just get better and peak probably in a month or two, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. So we we get a lot of fun fall action uh, coming up here. Starting in uh, late September and October, we get the lake trout spawn. Coming up here as we get into late August and September, we get the, the kokanee school up and you start getting the, the kokanee jigging bite on Wolford and Shadow Mountain. Um, and that, as well as the brown trout start moving up to spawn. So we'll start getting some, some late evening uh, brown trout action, particularly on, on Lake Granby and some of the smaller area lakes around as well. I would think the lake trout, I know that that spawning bite will take off in uh, October there, but they start moving a little shallower in staging pretty early in September sometimes, don't they? Yeah, towards the end of September, you'll start seeing them in the pre-spawn locations, like just off of where they typically spawn, and they're definitely very catchable even at that time. Most of our water temps start going the other way as we get less daylight, and, you know, those fish do like that colder water. So if people want to book a trip or want more information, how do they get a hold of you, Dan? So look us up on uh, Facebook, Fishing with Bernie, as well as fishingwithbernie.com. Or uh, and you can get all of our contact info there. We are booking trips for the fall and starting to starting to think ice up here as well. So reach out now and get your trip booked. All right, my friend. Glad we get you back on. Sorry about last week. That's all right. Good to talk to you, Terry. All right, you bet, Dan Shannon. Good people. Uh, you know, we have a lot of great contributors on this show. People that we get on on a pretty regular basis. Some are on, you know, a couple times a month or more. Some just as few, every few weeks, but. Around the state, what makes it possible for us to give you great information so you can go and fish and hunt or book a guide is getting these people on, sharing honest information about what's available out there. And speaking of that, this next segment, we're going to take you out to Blue Mesa, and uh, Andy Cochran's going to join us. Andy's a great angler, but he's, you know, he's, there's a few issues at Blue Mesa right now, but he's going to talk about that and the bass at Pueblo Reservoir. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on ESPN. 